0: I have been working on this series for a long time. Well, I've been thinking about the series for a long time, working on it for a little less time. But this is definitely one of those sermon series that I, I went to Rob and I said, Rob, I feel that I need to put together this series. And if you will remember last summer, um, we had an opportunity to preach. Each of us had an opportunity to preach. And what I presented to Rob was essentially the outline for this one. So when I gave it to him, he said, this is a four-part series, so you should use that for when you preach that ser- series that you wanted to in the summer. And I was like, oh, okay. So now here I am preaching a four-part sermon series on worship, and I am very excited. So I'm sure you're all wondering, what is W3? W3 is pretty simple. Why we worship. The backwards E being a three was a happy design accident. It just worked out that way, and I was, I was very pleased with that. But the core of the reason why it's W3 is because we serve a triune God. We worship a triune God. And this is not something I'm going to go incredibly deep into during the series because that's a whole, that's probably 10 sermon series long if we wanted to discuss that. Um, and so, W3 represents that each member of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, each have a role in not only shaping our worship, but how they engage and change what we do in worship. Um, So the series is going to be broken down in that way, where we're going to have the first two weeks, we're going to focus just on God, the Father the amazing, powerful God that we worship. Um, this, the next week, the third week, is going to be on Jesus. So how does Jesus come into the picture and change the way we worship and change the implications of our worship? And lastly, the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit do in our worship services? And when I say corporate worship, because you'll hear me say that probably a lot, I just want to clarify right at the beginning, I am not necessarily talking about only worship music. This is, a pretty, this is a pretty consistent way that the church has used the term corporate worship. That's because one of the most obvious ways in which we express worship is through music. So this is not a series on worship music exactly. This is a worship series on this gathering. So everything we do on Sunday morning is, a, is an act of corporate worship. It is also not a series on worship in general, because that topic is huge, and when I tried to put the series together, it started with just this mess of everything I ever wanted to say or think about on worship, and it was just getting bigger and bigger and unorganized until finally God just kind of helped me focus this and say, I want you to talk on on corporate worship. So... I think this is a very timely message for us as a church, especially now after a long hiatus in COVID where we weren't able to gather in person, we weren't able to gather in many areas. Um, So this is a great opportunity for us to remind ourselves and broaden our understanding of why this day, why Sunday with each other is so valuable and important. So some of the questions I'm hoping to answer through this is, why is Sunday worth your time? What can you expect from God here on these, on these gatherings? And most importantly, this is the one I really want to dive into, is what does God expect of us on these gatherings? Um, this is, these are going to be some questions that we will wrestle with and we will discuss, and I invite you to already start thinking of those questions because we will be having a forum, and I'd love to have some thoughts and hear what you guys have to think about that. So we're going to get into that. Next week, we're going to get into the meat and potatoes of the sermon series on corporate worship. This week, what I want to do is I just want to start this series with an extended time of worship. So what better way to start a series where we talk about worshiping this amazing God and how that takes form than by just doing some more of it together. We did a bit of it this morning. We're going to have a bit of a message now that's going to lead into some closing songs. And so it's not going to be as long a message, but we're going to extend our worship time. So let me just just open in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, you are so worthy of our praise. God, we honor you with all that we do. We honor you with all that we are. And God, we honor you with this time on Sunday mornings. God, we've been doing this for years. We've been gathering. We've been having discussion, building communities and liturgies around you and the person of, who, and the person of you, our one God. God, I just pray that as we go through this series over the next four weeks, next five weeks, God, that you would do amazing things in our hearts. God, that you would continue to help us understand what you have to say on this. God, that you would work through the messages and through the discussion to bring new light to our understanding of worship. God, I pray all of this in your name. Amen. So I'd like to open today with a a very vague question or broad question. And you can answer this in Slack. How would you personally describe God? That's a very vague question because I'm not, I don't know if that means when the first thing you think is how do you describe God to a friend or what are the first emotional ideas you have when you think of God. I just want to kind of get some ideas and some thoughts kind of rolling and I want to hear what you have to say. When I say, you know, let's explain God, how would you do it to anyone? How, how, how do you respond when you hear that question? I think a practical way you can probably start answering this is just by starting with the sentence, God is blank. And I'd love to just hear some thoughts. So if you want to start putting that in Slack, and, uh, and, and I'd love to see what some of your responses are. So, Genesis 1-1, where it all begins. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The story of creation is more than just a brief account of God's process of bringing the once chaotic nothingness into beautiful and good order. In one poetic chapter, we see a picture of a personal being of using nothing but his voice, able to bring all that we know into orderly, beautiful, and vast existence. In 1st Genesis, we watch all the imaginary gods and pantheons of early Babylon and civilizations alike crumble in the presence of one almighty creator, the great I am, the one true God. In the following verses, we watch this God with unfathomable ease and mastery order everything to prepare to dwell within his own creation. Every fine detail is fleshed out, every piece of existence is carefully refined, and every single part reflects his beauty and his goodness. In the presence of a creature like this promise, how can we not worship? Genesis 1, Then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Genesis 2 7, and then the Lord God formed man from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. You see, the right to life, the right to exist, is not actually a right that we have at all. The very fact that we have been given life is nothing more than a privilege made possible only by the grace and imagination of a God capable of doing so. Without the precise creation, of the minute molecules and atoms that form the oxygen and that sustains our life, we could not exist. The air that we breathe was invented from scratch by a God capable of creating something from nothing. Have you ever tried to create or imagine something from nothing that bears no resemblance to any experience you've ever had? It's actually not possible. You can't do it. Every idea we could ever conjure up is informed and limited by the exposure and experiences we have in a universe that we've been given the privilege and freedom to explore. So in the presence of a creator like this, as we stand on ground and breathe air that was imagined and designed by one who wanted to share the gift of existence with his own creation, I ask again, how can we not worship? Exodus thirty-three eighteen 18-22 says, Moses said, Please show me your glory. And God said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and show mercy to on whom I will show mercy. But he said, You cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock, and while my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but not my face. It shall not be seen. Imagine a being so powerful and so perfect that our very existence is threatened by the fullness of his glory. The life that we have been so graciously given, in all of its magnificence and complexity, is still so finite and dependent on the creation that it inhabits. That being exposed to the full glory of its creator would be unfathomably lethal. Imagine a being so far out of our league that he exists within his creation and at the same time existing beyond the dimensions that we are even capable of comprehending. Imagine a being that can comprehend comprehension, who can imagine imagination, and who can understand understanding. How could we ever be in relationship with a being so glorious, immense, and beyond ourselves. In the presence of a creator like this, as we stand on ground and breathe air that was imagined and designed by one who wanted to share the gift of existence with his own creation, in the presence of a being so beyond all that we could ever comprehend, I ask again, how could we not worship? John 1, 14, verse 18. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of, the only, as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. So imagine the infinite choosing to enter the final, stepping down from his throne to be among his creation. Imagine a God so desperate to bridge the gap between his incomprehensible nature and that which he created that he chose to willingly humble himself and take the form of those made in his image. Imagine a God willing to face humiliation and the painfulness of death at the hands of those whom were created out of his unstoppable and uncontainable love. Imagine a being so self-aware of his magnificent glory that before existence existed, he prepared a way to be with the creation he had not yet created. Imagine a God who is unfazed by death and exists as the very source of life. In the presence of a creator like this, as we stand on ground and breathe air that was imagined and designed by one who wanted to share the gift of existence with his own creation, in the presence of a being so beyond all that we could ever comprehend and yet so willing to make himself comprehensible, in the presence of a king so perfect and so loving that he was unwilling that he was willing to humble himself and experience utter humiliation at the hand of his own creation i ask one more time how promised church could we not worship how could we not worship a god like this his very nature demands our worship and we're in his presence do we really have any other option but to worship really is there any other response that we could rationally take Does the reality of our free will really change the fact that once we've tasted even the slightest amount of his goodness, that we cannot help but be humbled and bow down in the presence of the one who just is? This God, the best part, is here right now in me. He's moving among us. He is present with us. He has made himself present with us. And I want to invite you right now, if this is the first time you've really thought about and heard of this God in all of this magnificence, and you have yet to embrace him as your own, if you have yet to embrace this as the Lord over your own life, then I want to invite you to do that. I'm going to invite the worship team. And we're going to spend a little more time just reflecting on God and his amazing presence, the presence that's been made known to us, the presence that we have the freedom to engage with, This God is worthy of our praise, and it's going to be a good time moving forward in the next few weeks and really diving into how this God becomes even more present, and we become more aware of him in what we do on Sunday. Heavenly Father, God, you are worthy. God, you are worthy of our praise. God, you're worthy of our praise, not because of anything you've done for us, God, but because of who you are. All the stuff you've done for us, that's just an added bonus. Lord, you as a, as a being are so perfect, so powerful, so amazing. You are so worthy of our praise. And God, more than that, you do for us the things that we could never do for ourselves. God, you are a healer. You are a provider. God, you are our savior. God, you are the only one that could possibly make a way to reach down to your own creation and give us access to who you are. And God, we embrace that today. God, we thank you for your presence among us. God, we thank you for the work that you've done in our lives already. God, we thank you that as a people, we can celebrate your faithfulness. And God, we are going to do that over the next few weeks, and we celebrate that, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.